The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, as we continue in our series on the kingdom of God, looking at the articles of faith of our church, we looked at Article 6, which deals with the topic of regeneration. Article 6 reads as follows. We believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church, we believe that regeneration or the new birth is solely and wholly by the operation of the Holy Spirit, apart from any means of men or any efforts on the part of man. Join us today in the second half of this first sermon on the topic of the new birth, and let's get a biblical perspective on this topic that's so misunderstood by the world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
You see, we read in several scriptures about the wicked. I'm not going to turn to all of them, but you can look over there sometime. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8 talks about the sacrifice of the wicked. That, that's those that are not children of God. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. <laughs> well, if the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, what would the prayer of the wicked be? Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 4 tells us that the plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, that's pretty, that's about the most neutral thing you can do, isn't it? <laughs> Go out and plow a field. I can't think of any moral component to that whatsoever. You look at somebody plowing a field, you're not going to be thinking, boy, he's just wicked out there, wickedly plowing. <laughs> plowing is not in and of itself wicked. But the problem is, is that when the wicked plow, it's sin because they don't have God in their minds and in their hearts. They're not focusing upon him. Whatever they're doing is for themselves. Well, my goodness, if the plowing of the wicked is sin, what would the prayer of the wicked be? The wicked won't pray in the first place. <laughs> but my point is, is that the Lord looks upon the wicked in this way, what in the world would it be if they tried to approach unto God? Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29 tells us the Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. See, now there's where the, the prayer comes in. The prayer that God hears is the prayer of the righteous. I don't mean the self-righteous, and I don't mean the righteous in every detail of their lives. I'm talking about those who have been made righteous by the righteousness, the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ones he hears. Notice, notice the contrast. We're over, we've been in Romans here. Maybe you're still there. Turn over to chapter 10 just for a second. Notice that the Lord is far from the wicked, how could a prayer bring God near? <laughs> but notice the contrast here in chapter 10 and verse 5. Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, if you want to subscribe to the law, you better keep the law. That's where your righteousness is found. And by the way, James tells you you can't keep it because if you violate one aspect of it, you violated the whole law. But notice this in verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise... Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? Now this is the righteous prayer right here. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And he goes on to talk about confessing with the mouth and believing in the heart. But notice where that came from. It's already in your heart. He says... He says that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. You see, the word is nigh thee. Where is it? It's already in your heart. If you find someone confessing, even praying the sinner's prayer, sometimes praying the sinner's prayer, thinking that's the way to get saved eternally. I don't knock them for sincerity. I'm not criticizing. A lot of people have been taught to do that. And we ought to pray to God and we ought to confess our sins. But you see, when we do that, the word's already in our heart. The word's not, he's far from the wicked, but the word's already in the heart of the righteous. That is those who have been made righteous. We do not need to be given something to pray at this point. Because it won't do us any good. Well, what about something to believe? Well, beloved, we don't need to be given something to believe at this point. Turn back over to John chapter 1. 
There's a couple of verses in chapter 1 that oftentimes only one, one of those verses is read, but it contains some rich truths that will help us see how the new birth occurs. John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came unto his own, that is unto his own people, the Jews, the physical people, and his own received him not. But look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now let me stop right there and say this. That's the closest you will ever get in the scripture to the term accepting Jesus. And notice it didn't say accept him. It said to those, it said there were some who received him. And I'll just say, say it this way. I've heard this put this way before. There's a difference in accepting and receiving. That vase right there didn't accept those flowers. It received them, but it didn't accept them. The flowers were put there. It received them. Accepting has to do with an exercise of the will. Now, I've said before, and I'll say it again, believing is an exercise of the will. And I don't want to get off onto that this morning, but let me just say that we ought to exercise our will to trust and believe him every day. Because there are times I exercise my will not to do that, even as a child of God. There are times I don't act like a believer because I'm not actually believing in him. I'm trusting in myself and I'm trusting in the things of the world. It ought to be that we choose to believe him every day. We ought to do, as children of God, we ought to believe in him every day and we have to choose to do that but i'm not talking about choosing to believe in him in order to become a child of god i'm talking about choosing to trust him and believe in him because you are a child of god and here's what he says here going back to verse 12 as many as received him not all received him notice that there were many that rejected him but as many as received him to them gave he power or that literally means the right or the privilege or the authority to become the sons of God that is they're not uh, changing from not being children of God to being children of God they are now being able to embrace the fact that they are children of God and act like who they are <laughs> and he says receiving him notice but as many as received him skip down he says, even to them that believe on his name. So what does it mean to receive him? It means to believe on him. It means that when you say, I've received Jesus, or you know, whatever term you want to use, that means really you, you believe on him, you trust him. But notice the verse that nobody ever reads. <laughs> the verse that's so often left out of many sermons when this verse 12 is quoted. Verse 13 which were born. That tells us something very important. Now, I wasn't an English major, but I know a little bit about tenses, and that's a past tense. That's not a future tense. If you will receive him, you will be born. No, all those that did receive him and believed on him were born. They had been born. And notice how they were how they were not born, not of blood. They didn't inherit it. Just because mom and daddy was a child of God didn't mean they were children of God. And that particularly applied to those Jews because they thought all of the Jews, because they were Jews, were going to heaven. They were so self-righteous about that. 
Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Okay, that goes back to being dead in trespasses and in sins. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Those who are uh, the fleshly nature is contrary to God. So it's not anything within our flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, you didn't will me into the kingdom of heaven, and I didn't will you into it, and I didn't will myself. You know, over in the ninth chapter of Romans, we've already read about that. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So how is it, preacher? But of God. But of God. So believing the gospel. You say, preacher, I've, I've been taught all my life, you have to believe the gospel in order to be born again. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 9, we read about our eternal redemption and the attendant circumstances. Who, talking of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. That eliminates all the things I've just talked about, including a prayer or any other exercise of our will. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. We've covered all that through our preaching on the doctrine of election. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. He's shown up. He came down. He died for his people. And now we're justified by his imputed righteousness. Who hath abolished death. Praise God. Through his death he abolished death and through his resurrection. And hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, the gospel has a very important function, but it's not to bring life and immortality. It's simply to bring life and immortality to light. I know I've used this before here, but one of the best examples I ever heard about the purpose of the gospel has to do with coon hunting, which many of us around here know all about that. When you go coon hunting at night and the, coon, and the dogs tree a coon, the hunters go down there with a flashlight, a big light of some sort, and they shine that light into the tree. And it illuminates the coon. It doesn't put the coon in the tree, but it illuminates what's already there. And that's the way the gospel works. The gospel works by illuminating what is already in our hearts through the new birth. So believing and trusting the gospel is not the precipitating fact that causes us to be born again. It's the result of having been born again. In fact, I want to read you. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to read you an example of how this works. And over the 14th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which primarily talks about uh, speaking in tongues, we have a sweet little example of what can happen when the gospel is preached. Notice in verse 24, he's saying it's better to prophesy or to preach than to speak in tongues. Because if, if everybody's speaking in unknown tongues, that's not unknown from the standpoint of something nobody knows. That's someone else's tongue. That'd be like a different language. Spanish, Italian, it'd be like if I were standing up here and I all of a sudden started preaching in French 
And, and I don't know French. That would be something miraculous that would happen. And if you were here and understood French, you could understand what I'm saying. But here it says, if I'll prophesy, that is, if we have preachers up there, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. That's not convinced and judged by the people, it's by the words. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. You see, there's something in his heart that he's not heard about before. There's something that's happened to him, like our dear brother, Elder Martin Anyani tells about his experience over in Africa when, when he was out uh, uh, running around and doing things he shouldn't be doing and, and, and enjoying it. And then one day he didn't enjoy it. One day he couldn't enjoy it anymore. And he couldn't figure out what had happened until he heard the gospel preached. And, he, and, and the secrets of his heart were brought out and made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. See, that's the purpose of the gospel. And by the way, that's why we ought to be preaching the gospel every chance we get. Because there's a lot of God's children out there that are still laboring under the false impression that they've got to do something to get saved. That they've got to work their way to heaven. They've got to do something to stay saved. We need to be telling them the good news that Jesus Christ saved his people from their sins on the cross Period, end of story. So, you remember 1 Corinthians 2.14? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. We're talking about what we needed. Well, what we need is something we don't want by our human nature and something we can't get through our own efforts. So what's the answer? Back over in Titus, let's look for a few more minutes in the time we have at how we got it. How we got it. If you're here this morning and you're a believer who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, you see yourself as the sinner you are and you recognize that the only hope of your eternal redemption is the Lord Jesus Christ, here's how you got to this point. Chapter 3 of Titus again, verse Three, we'll just start there again. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That kind of describes us before we were born again, doesn't it? But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, we need the new birth. This is a reference to being born again. That regeneration is another word for being born again. You remember in John chapter 3, Beginning there in verse 1, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And, and, and as he begins to engage with Jesus in conversation, the first thing Jesus says to him is, he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see literally means to know or, or not see with your physical eyes because it's a spiritual kingdom anyway, but to know it and to understand it, to get it, if you will. We might say that today. You can't get the kingdom of God or anything spiritual if you haven't been born again. 
Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And by the way, the word again there literally means from above. It literally means from above. Down in about verse 5 or 6, he says, uh, he says, Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again or born from above. And he goes on to tell how it happens. And notice that the first most important thing to see is that we are born again apart from the efforts or will of men. You know, there's a reason, again, that Jesus uses the terms he does. He used dead to explain to us how dead we were, and he uses born again to explain to us how it happens. Think about the natural birth. He knew Nicodemus would immediately go to, okay, born again. In fact, that's where he went. He said, do I have to go back into my mother's womb when I'm old? But you see, he's trying to convey a point. The natural birth happens without any action or will of the child being born. Don't we all get that? <laughs> Baby Cal is not going to do some calculations in his mind one day and say, you know, I think today is the day. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be born today. No. Baby Cal will be born in the natural course of time, and it won't have anything to do with his actions or his will. It also happens, the natural birth happens without any hindrance by the one who's being born. There won't be a time when a baby is in the womb and, and, and the forces of nature begin to operate and the baby says, no, never, I, I just, I, I pass. I'm not going to be born today. <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> regardless of the will of that one that's, that's being born. And also, most importantly, the natural birth happens before there's any evidence of life, Right? I'm not talking about life in the womb. I'm talking about Jesus is explaining this birth in a way that we would understand it from a natural standpoint. So when that baby is born, when he comes forth from the womb, and you hear that cry, that cry is not the baby trying to get born. That cry is the result of the baby having been born. That's the, the cry is the evidence of life. And sometimes people get the cause and the effect backwards. See, the cause is not the cry. That's the effect of the birth. The birth was the cause, and the cry is the effect. We are born again apart from the will or the efforts of men. And so how are we born? Well, remember John 1, verse 13, he says it's not of the blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. We get born again. This, we are born again by the will of God. Turn with me back to John chapter 3, and we'll just try to bring this to a conclusion here. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, Jesus lays out exactly how the new birth occurs. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I've said this many times, and I say it again, that, uh, that over here on one side is flesh, over here on the other side is spirit, and there is no spiritual evolution any more than there's natural evolution. That, you know, we believe in natural creation, the creation of this, this universe by God. Well, brethren, we ought to also believe in the spiritual creation, that this thing that's created in us is created spiritually. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. 
Now notice verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The next time a storm blows up here, I want you to sit down and maybe get on the internet and try to research out, and I want you to pinpoint exactly where that gust of wind came from. I want you to pinpoint exactly where did it, you know, our meteorologists say, well, it came out of the Midwest. Well, where in the Midwest? Which this, the next gust of wind you see, I want you to pinpoint where it came from. Show me where it came from. Beloved, men can't do that. It may have started, that gust of wind that finally, you know, blows your, uh, that tornado that blows your barn down may have started as a, as a light breeze over on the mountains of the Himalayas across the, the water. And, you know, I, I was reading some years ago about some of the haze we were seeing. It was, it was sand from the Sahara Desert that had blown across the ocean and was over here in our continent now. I, point out to me where it came from. And then I want you to tell me where it stops. I want you to tell me where this gust of wind ends up, where that tornado the, the winds from the tornado or the storm stops. You can't do that. And neither can you pinpoint where the Spirit is coming from or where it's going next. See, the new birth, the Spirit of God's operation in the new birth is like the wind. And when man is able to harness the wind, then I will say to you that I can agree that man is able to harness the new birth in some way. But beloved, it just can't be, it can't be done. But beloved, he's telling us here that the wind is, that the new birth is like the wind. It's like the wind and it's by the will of God. In fact, you know, I've never saved anybody eternally because see, it's not my words that save. It's not my words that get people from hell to heaven. Turn just a page or two over. John chapter 5 and we'll bring it to a close here. John chapter 5, Jesus is talking here, he's preaching here to them. And in verse 25, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. So this isn't talking about the second coming of Christ. This is talking about something that's already here right now when Jesus says these words. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Now, I want you to notice what it is that causes the dead man to live. It's not the words of the Son of God. It's not the words of a preacher. It's not the words that are written in this book. It is the voice of the Son of God. I just read you the words of the Son of God, but I cannot speak in His voice. I cannot, you know, you can go out of here tomorrow and you say, Brother Chris said X, Y, and Z. And you can quote me exactly and you'll be quoting my words, but you won't be using my voice. I can quote these words all day long. I can preach all day long. But beloved, it is the voice of the Son of God that quickens one and makes one alive. It's the voice of the Son of God which causes the dead to live. And praise God that it's that way. Because otherwise, there'd be no hope for the babies that are aborted in the womb because there'd be no, there's no preacher that can preach to them. There's no preacher whose, whose words and voice can get to them. But all oh, the voice of the Son of God can get to them. 
There's no preacher that can penetrate the fog of the brain of the one who is mentally challenged and cannot uh, form the thoughts in his mind, but oh, the voice of the Son of God can. You know, the voice of the Son of God, he can, he can speak to one on a cross who spent a whole life going the wrong way. The voice of the Son of God can speak to one on a road to Damascus who's not seeking Jesus, but seeking the followers of Jesus to have them murdered and martyred. And praise God, I'll leave you with this. Let me just say this. If I can show you one example of one person who's born again apart from some preacher preaching to him or hearing and believing the gospel, then according to John 3 and verse 8 there that we were reading, he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That is, every single new birth occurs in exactly the same way. Different circumstances, different places, but the way it occurs is exactly the same. You turn over there sometime and maybe we'll come back to it in a future message. You read about John the Baptist in his mother's womb. When Mary, the mother of Jesus, came on the scene, you know what happened to John the Baptist? He didn't read a Bible tract. He didn't get baptized. He didn't pray the sinner's prayer. He didn't listen to a preacher. But he leaped for joy in his mother's womb. You know what happened there? And you know, remember, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. There's one that was born again, even in his mother's womb. Isn't that glorious? Because you see, I can't reach everybody. I can't reach all the elect of God. I can't reach those that need to hear the gospel. But I tell you, the Lord can. I'm so thankful for that. The voice of the Son of God. How do we get it? By that sweet voice of the Son of God who speaks to our dead soul and creates life, creates a new creature something that then can have fellowship with him and walk with him. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.